0: Central.
1: This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets, and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from TechCentral.ie. Tech
0: Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes, and welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the ladies in tech from around Ireland and across this little planet we call Earth. Thank you for downloading from our website. You'll get the uh, show at techcentral.ie. You can use your favourite podcast app on your smartphone or indeed you can listen to us on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the week, ending Friday the 28th of August, almost the end of the summer already. Joining me as always is Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ. Today we're going to be talking about a brand new toy and a bargain at that uh, that I am recommending. Uh, We're also going to hear about a, a very interesting tech art exhibition in Cork. It's not often you get that in the uh, same sentence. Uh, but first, Niall, uh, are you devastated that your uh, Ashley Madison account has been hacked?
2: Oh, I tell you, I, I was gutted <laughs> when I saw the data dump. Uh, I was, oh, I was out of the laugh. Yeah, yeah. Listen,
0: aside from all this and the fact and the rights and the wrongs, does somebody get it? Somebody's gone through the data and come up with ab- some absolutely stunning and to me amusing statistics.
2: Yeah, well, I think this hack has been very interesting all along, really, because, you know, kind of first happened on July 19th. This group called the Impact Team came out and said, Ashley Madison, we have your number. And here's a bunch of email addresses um, to show that, you know, we've been into your system and we got everything we got. We got your emails all your customer base, your website code, we have everything and you are going to be reaping the whirlwind. So they did one dump and everyone went, oh, that's kind of interesting. Then two weeks ago, uh, they did a second dump and everyone went, Oh, that's that's like really interesting. That's like millions of email addresses. Bear in mind there's nearly thirty-seven uh email addresses stored by the company on account. Um and then just this past uh, few days there was a third dump wherein we find that there were there were lots of internal documents and people were saying, you know, our security isn't great, we could get into a lot of trouble over this if we're ever hacked. And guess what happened? So now uh, it has been found out, or rather suspected for a good while and now confirmed, that uh, of the 36 million email addresses that were harvested... Uh, oh,
0: I know what you're going to say. Guess how many were actual women?
2: Guess how many were actual women?
0: <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Uh, let me guess. Uh, I 37 million in all... Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say either because I do, I really don't believe. Well, so you see, I'm an old-fashioned man, so I really don't believe that a woman would sign up for a, an affair site like this. But then again, this is 2015, so maybe. So let me go with my old favorite uh, rule of eighty twenty. So I'd say about eighty percent men, twenty percent women. Out of three uh, thirty-seven million people. That'd be six, eight, seven million.
2: Yeah, okay, right. The the old sales logic does not work in this case, Dusty. Unfortunately, if you're an Ashley Madison account, you really signed on to a lemon of a service because uh, they reckon that the actual user base was Mm -hmm. between 90 and 95% male. And of the 5% uh, of the website users that were women, Mm -hmm. 99% of those... Mm -hmm. Didn't use the site at all. <laughs> Rubbernecked. <laughs> logged in. Once. Signed
0: in. What's this all about? Oh no, it's not for me. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> so you know, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people on that site were actually real women.
0: <laughs> That's insane. But you know what? That and that and let that be a lesson. Uh, for people, because, you know, if it's uh, if it's too good to be true, well, then it probably is. Isn't that, isn't that what they say?
2: Yeah. And the amount of news stories that came out, you know, oh, our philandering society and all this, you know, oh, online oh. has made it so easy. Hang
0: on a minute. Hang on a yeah. minute. I'm just thinking if anybody listening to our podcast right now happened huh. to, shall we say, research the Ashley Madison website and is worried that their name may be revealed, all right, all you have to do is go, well, nothing happened. (laughs) Because because 99.9% of people on it were guys (laughs) like me. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) happened. (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh, Also, uh, making the news today um, and... uh, and, uh, (laughs) Um, Sorry, I'm I'm thinking very rude things in my head, and I can't say any of them. Uh, So I'm just going to go with uh, Samsung and the Galaxy Note 5, okay? So I've got the Galaxy Ah, Note 4. I love this phone. And nothing about the 5 is really kind of calling to me saying, you must buy me. Um, But I have to say, the Galaxy Note 4 is an outstandingly good phone. So I would imagine that the Note 5 is equally as good, but there's a problem
2: yeah, now, now, you know, use a Note 4 owner. So just clarify this for me. Is there a stylus with the Note 4?
0: There most certainly is. Um, I find it a bit of a gimmick, to be honest, because you can take the mm-hmm. stylus out and you can write almost as if you're writing on paper and the phone will recognise your handwriting and change it into text and da-da-da-da. And you can press a small little button on the stylus and you can make it do all kinds of things without even touching the screen. It's a party trick. Um, I'd say I use it for maybe the first week I got the phone and went, that's cool, haven't touched it since. Anyway, what about the stylus?
2: Right, well, the stylus is where all the problems are at the moment. Uh, Apparently, um, the stylus is very nicely kept, Very, you know, stays flush with the phone, you know, Uh, as it should be however if you put stylus back into your phone the wrong way Mm -hmm. it can actually end up borking the motherboard (laughs) (laughs) you know it's not a matter of you know it's a little bit stuck let's give it a bit of welly and there it will live if you do that it will kill your phone
0: oh man that's just and they are not cheap phones they're they're what six seven eight hundred quid
2: That's a premium smartphone. But uh, Samsung's uh, sort of response to this has actually been kind of funny. Um, Funny in a good way, I guess you might say. Uh, They basically said, read the manual. (gasps) This is how you're meant to put the stylus in. If you put it in another way, it's going to break.
0: Oh, oh covering up their bad design flaw with it. All right, okay. So listen... Did you
2: just accuse Samsung of bad design?
0: Well, I... Listen, I better go and note. I, Dusty Rhodes, a a mad fan of Samsung products. I have their television. I have their phones. I even have their washing machines. Uh, Yes, I did say the Galaxy Note 5. Uh, That's a bit of a dog, isn't it? Don't buy it. Get the Galaxy Note 4. Definitely worth the money. Uh, um, uh, (laughs) uh, What else is going on in the world at the moment? Ah, yes, we're kind of... Now, I won't say celebrate. We're marking the anniversary of what happened in tech 20 years ago today to the strains of the Rolling Stones.
2: Yep, yep. The arrival of Windows 95. Now, I was a bit young to fully appreciate this, but you're slightly older than me. Do you remember the cues outside the likes of HMV to go and buy Windows 95?
0: Do you know what? Uh, To be honest, no, I don't remember the cues. I do remember there was a fierce amount of excitement. I do remember we were working closely with uh, Microsoft at the time. So we kind of had a little bit of the inside track. Uh, and we organized a big uh, presentation to say, this is Windows 5 and here's Internet Explorer and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and <clears> it was a huge, big, exciting time. It was like, you know, it was Bill Gates. Uh, um, it, uh, I, it was it was a huge, exciting time. And Windows 95 just came out and it just Cha- I don't want to say changed everything, but it changed everything.
2: Well, I mean, there, there were two two pieces in Windows 95 that, that mm. to this day, affect how we use computers. A start uh, button, yeah. start
0: button. That's why I say the Rolling Stones. Start yep, me up.
2: start button um, and Internet Explorer. Yeah. Like, like it or load it, you know? Those, those are the two things that stuck with us forever. Uh, now, okay, Internet Explorer is now called, what, Edge? Mm. Um, but Start button, do anything to the Start button, and people go crazy, as we learned with, with Windows 10. Mm. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, if you were the guy who came up with the Start button, mm. um, and it's actually the same guy who has the patent within Microsoft for the Start button, as through the toolbar as well, a chap oh, called Danny
0: Oren. No, and uh, go on. I, I was yep. going to say what I remember with the the startman of the time is everybody was accusing Windows of ripping off Apple.
2: Uh, hmm. Well, that hasn't happened before. <laughs> that,
0: that that was the talk of the time. Oh, a little icon thing, start button. What you? Oh, in one corner of the screen that you have access to everything on the computer. Oh, how Apple. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I think it's fairly safe to say that Microsoft built on what, what Apple were doing there. At uh, one of the few times I think I will say that. Mm. But um yeah, I mean he came out and gave an interview with Business Insider and he said, you know what? Ah, uh, you know, it would've been nice to get a royalty from these things. That's that's kinda cool. Um the other one was that it's kind of you know, it's been a long time and kinda of that's still how people use mm. computers. He's a little bit disappointed in that. Uh and I think Maybe to a certain extent he has a point, but I think the start key being so brilliantly simple as it is, maybe that's as good as that particular idea gets. Mm. Maybe, maybe the next big thing in how, how we interact with our computers will just be gesture controllers. Here, like
0: here, here's a little litmus test, all right? Uh, if you were the ideal kind of person to be presenting or listening to the Tech Radio podcast, okay? Okay. You were at a party. And you meet the uh, uh, this guy who invented the start button on Windows software, and you immediately take a selfie, put your hands up. That's me.
2: Really, you're that guy. <laughs>
0: I'm that guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, that, was a that guy did that. It's amazing. Do you know the other thing? I was I was just thinking because you're bringing it all back to me now. Uh, I, I think it was a four eight six or a three eight six processor that you needed. Uh, whatever about that, but. Uh, I think I think remember it was four megs of RAM. Wow! And you needed like fifty megs of space in your hard disk, which at the time was like
2: how much? <laughs> 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 You're kidding. Anyway, that twenty it came years. On how many discs? Uh,
0: well, oh my god! Nah, did it come on CD? I think it came on CD. I, think I, was, I know, I think, I think I know some people CD. that
2: had to get it on, on regular Disgash. Ah, right. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, listen, here we are, 20 years later, and we're now looking at Windows 10. Uh, Windows it's only,
2: 10, which is going swimmingly, it has to be said. No,
0: is it really? Because this, this is a big change. Because it's what? It's a month out there. Um, uh-huh. I, I presume they've passed like 10 million installs or something like that.
2: Oh, gosh, you're way, way behind the curve. According to Microsoft, the official figure is 75 million installs. Wow. Now, look at, you know, compare and contrast with Windows 8, which in the same period of time managed 40 million licenses, right? But that's, and going back to Windows Vista before it, it had 20 million licenses. And then before that, uh, Windows XP had 17 million licenses. I don't. I don't have the figure for Windows Seven in front of me right now, but I imagine it was um, less than forty million. Anyway, we'll, we'll put it that way. Um, but I mean, there, there's a couple of ways in which Windows Ten has it much easier than anyone who went out saying got Windows Eight or waited to upgrade to to Windows Eight. Primarily, it was free. If you had a Windows Seven machine, always helps you know or, 7, or if you have a windows, windows 8, 8
0: machine yeah it it will yeah. just install itself automatically if you so wish
2: yeah um so you know quite kind of frictionless it sort of harkens over to the way apple sort of claim that you know oh wow os 10 mavericks or os 10 yosemite you know, oh, the uptake has been fantastic. Most Macs now run them. It's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, because you push it out as a free upgrade. Why wouldn't somebody well, want to do
0: that? you know, I, I wonder if that'll help. But one of the things I've always liked about Microsoft operating systems is their backward compatibility. And there's stuff that you can run on Windows 10 uh, now or Windows 7 uh, that worked on Windows 3.11. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that's amazing. You try and run something on a Mac uh, from, like, you know, three, four years ago, and it's like...
2: Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, that is true. I have run yeah. into that problem. But oh, I mean, yeah. Mac in, in, Mac had a huge red line a couple of years ago. You might remember when OS 10 Tiger came out, hmm. and uh, that was basically the last of the IBM chip operating systems. And then everything from then on, if it couldn't run on an Intel, that was it. It wasn't being hmm. supported. Uh, and you know, looking back on it now, hugely frustrating. But at the same time, it was sort of hugely frustrating. You know, red line.
0: Hugely frustrating, you say. And then the software that I use in my day to day work came up with a key feature which I've been looking for for years, and it would only run on the Intel. And it meant that we ended up selling like four or five different Macs for oh. next to nothing because wow. we had to go and spend an extraordinary amount of money on these new Intel Macs in order to run the bloody software. <sighs> Getting a bit
2: emotional there, Dusty. Deep <laughs>
0: breath. Let's get back to Windows 10. Now, if you want to play around with Windows 10, let me give you the toy of the summer. Because I was in uh, the city at the weekend and I was just hanging around Currys as I do. As do. <laughs> I, I make that sound very pervy, don't I? I was, I was hanging around curries. Um, I was in Currys and just having a look at what they had. And I came across this uh, Lynx tablet. All right. L-I-N-X. Now, they've been around a while. I'm quite sure a lot of people are familiar with them. Um, but what surprised me was that the tablet was running Windows 10. Okay. So okay. I was kind of like, oh, all right. So we have the Microsoft Surface and now we've got the uh, uh, the Lynx tablet doing that as well. That's very nice. How much is the Surface? 800 and, uh, yeah, okay. And what's this? 220 euros.
2: That
0: is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So I had to. You just
2: made that up. You missed the one in front of us, didn't you?
0: (laughs) I didn't. You can check her out right now on their website. 220 quid. And I went, I have to look into this. So I looked into a little bit more. And, you know, it's not your big flashy surface, powerful. Tablet, all right. Mm -hmm. It's more kind of like a, it's like a a tablet version of a netbook, all right. It it do all your basics, but it runs Windows ten, all right. Um, It's not as slim as like you know, kind of like an iPad Air, but you wouldn't expect it to be. But hey, you know what? It's slim enough. It's black. It looks sexy. The screen is reasonable. It's not the you know kind of twelve gazillion. Pixels per millimetre or whatever that they have. Um, I think it's just regular HD resolution. But hey, it does the trick. Uh, It's got an on-off button, the volume control. There's somebody to stick in your headphones. They've got a mini HDMI output on this. I love that. Everything should...
2: As opposed to the, the Surface, which has a mini display.
0: Uh, to, well, whichever, HDMI seems to be the standard. You plug it into your telly. That's what I love. And I would use that for movies, all right? There's also yeah. uh, a micro USB port, which is fantastic if you want to load on software. And, of course, you have your your power button. Inside, it's got uh, a quad-core processor, 1.83 gigs. Now, it's an Intel Bay uh, Trail-T, Um L- using it in the store, it, it it zipped along quite nicely, but I'm quite sure after a little bit of time, it might kind of just slow down a little bit. Probably a lot of to do with that is the fact that it's only got two gigs of RAM, which is a pity.
2: Okay, um, and it's not expandable, I imagine?
0: I don't think so, no. Yeah. Uh, 32 gigs worth of memory, which, you know, it's a tablet. You know, it's not going to be your main uh, PC, so that'll do. Uh, it's got a little webcam on it. It's got Wi-Fi. It's got Bluetooth, which I checked because I would be using it with a Bluetooth keyboard. Thank you very much um mm-hmm. and it weighs yeah, a little bit more than uh, an ipad air that, that, but not so much more where you kind of go oh my god um for 220 quid Niall how can you go wrong
2: for any, uh, anybody you know, who's running, you're packing any, you know, packing someone off to school with that that's not bad oh what oh
0: oh oh what a clever man you are Niall Kitson Back to school. Oh, I had to buy this for little Timmy. Yeah, I'll play with it for a few days.
1: (laughs) And then when I'm bored
0: with it, there you go, Timmy. And then you don't even have to buy Timmy a real laptop. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I think it's fine. I think it's a great little tablet. Uh, You know, for for, for the office, watching a video, surfing the web, it's all good. You're not going to do anything particularly heavy on it. Um, I haven't tried installing own software, but I would imagine you should be able to. Why not? Oh no. so that's okay. it. Next time you're in Curry's or any uh, those are looking on the website if you want. It's a Lynx 10 inch tablet with Windows 10. They do a smaller one as well. I didn't see it in the stores. So I, I saw it mentioned all the place. Bet 150 quid and it's like an 8 inch version of it or something like that. So hmm. now. Listen, let me, let me get on to something very interesting happening in the south of the country. All right. Uh, which is kind of art related, which we don't normally talk about and tech rate related, which we always talk about. Uh, I'm sure you've all, you've heard of a, a, the, um, I was about to say the expression. You've heard the phrase boolean expression.
2: Yes, I have.
0: We've all, we're all familiar. With anybody involved in tech, especially anybody who's done any coding, searching on Google, boolean expression. We you know what it is. All right. What could that possibly have to do with art? Well, Let's get into that because there's an exhibition on at UCC and it's called the Boolean Expressions. And it's named after a guy called George Boole, who had a very close connection to tech and Cork. I didn't know this. I spoke with uh, Fiona Kearney. She is the very passionate and engaging curator of the exhibition. And I asked her, just who is this George Boole bloke?
1: And so George Boole was the first professor of mathematics at uh, what was then Queen's College and is now University College Cork. Um, Um, And he's a pivotal figure in the history of mathematics... Um, uh, who's been described as the father of the information age so he was a self-taught genius Uh, he was born in Lincoln in the UK and he um, invented and pioneered this new mathematics which uh, I suppose now in terms of his legacy surrounds us everywhere in computers and information storage and electronic circuits because they all operate on the kind of uh, true false one-zero binary logic that his mathematics produced.
0: So the phrase is then a Boolean expression comes from George Bool, a Cork man. <coughs>
1: Well, he, uh, he became a Corkman because oh. he moved here uh, to teach in UCC um, and he lived here until his much too early death. Um, uh, he, I don't think the weather agreed with him. He got very <laughs> wet walking home one day and um, unfortunately, uh, one of the aspects of this year is that we're commemorating both his uh, the bicentenary of his birth and the 150th anniversary of his death.
0: <laughs> so, so part of this uh, commemoration is the exhibition. So tell me, what's the exhibition about? That.
1: Well, it's it, it's interesting that you talk about the term Boolean expression, because that's a great way to start an art gallery exhibition, because um, generally people mightn't think about art and mathematics or like uh, being together. Um, but in a way, maths and art share lots of things, um, particularly, I suppose, ideas of experimentation or creativity, um, as well as artists themselves who've been very interested in maths and um, have used kind of algorithms or systems to drive the production. Of work, so this exhibition brings together a whole range of artists from all over the world who have, in a way, um, reflected on different aspects of um, maths that link back to Boole's ideas.
0: OK, so tell me about the... What what, what can I expect to see? Because I, I, I'm an old coder and I'm familiar <laughs> with, you know, kind of uh, uh, Boolean expressions and stuff like that. Math isn't exactly my strongest point, though, funny enough. Um, and an art exhibition is not something I would normally go to. When I walk in the door, what kind of things am I going to see? Well,
1: do you know what? The first two things you encounter, the very first thing you'll do, see is a mathematical exercise by George Boole himself, which is on loan to us from the wonderful special collections here in University College Cork, which has an archive of Boole's work. And it's, you know, uh, in his handwriting, this beautiful kind of script from the 19th century. And we asked our mathematicians what was it about, and they don't really know what he was up to. It's just one of those kind of things where he was just trying out different mathematical ideas. So we thought it might be a nice idea just to show people um, kind of in a way the reality of how mathematicians, even to this day, are just kind of trying out things using kind of sketching and a visual language that I suppose then is taken up by artists in their work throughout the exhibition. And the next work that you see is by an American artist called Mel Bochner, and it's called Meditation on the Theorem of Pythagoras. And I know you're saying you're not a mathematician, but I think any of us who did maths in kind of primary and secondary school, the theorem of Pythagoras' theorem kind of rings a bell. I don't know if you remember it, Dusty, (laughs) but it's the square in the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the squares on the opposite two sides of a right-angled triangle. It's
0: it's coming through as a fuzzy memory. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I do remember saying, I'll never need that. <laughs> I know,
1: I know. Well, you know, it's a, at the time, Pythagoras was, you know, a bit like Boole. He was a revolutionary thinker. He was mm. bringing in a new geometry, which um, was challenging, I suppose, the kind of um, maths that existed in his time. And the artist, Mel Bachner actually went to Metapontum, which is the city in the south of Italy where Pythagoras worked. And, you know, the city is in ruins. And Mel, as an artist, was, I suppose, very struck by the fact that although all the kind of physical structure in which this ancient culture would have lived had all all but disappeared, his ideas um, remained as relevant and important and taught in schools across the world today. So he made a piece which maps out the theorem using um, glass, stones and hazelnuts to kind of indicate in a way just how the the visual language of maths will continue even though these elements that we use to make them like stones and glass and hazelnuts kind of have to be renewed and might fall apart in the physical world.
0: So the, the, if I have this right the idea that it was like a challenge that's thrown down to artists uh, to use materials from the tech sector in order to you know create new forms of art based in the ideas of, of George Boole have I, have I got that right?
1: Yeah, so we have a wonderful three screen work by an Irish artist called John Gerard, and his um, piece, which is called Exercise Dunhuang, is based on the structure of a uh, video game. So it's presented across three screens with three different views of the same world. Um, But unlike most video game worlds, which are usually full of very urgent and violent encounters, John's world is um, a very meditative, very beautiful kind of um, observation of a number of characters who are moving through this desert landscape. The landscape is modeled on a real landscape in the Gobi Desert in China. It was one of these... Um, uh, kind of grid like um military exercises that were seen from kind of space so one of the extraordinary things again about new technology is obviously we're kind of mapping the world from satellite images and at the time it kind of went viral because nobody really knew what was going on with these kind of strange uh, grids that were appearing in the desert in, in China they knew it was something to do with military exercises and probably with drone training and Gerard has taken that mapped it into this world and then he sets off these little characters avatars to move through this grid. And when they encounter each other, the computer works out, it has an algorithm to work out which character is most likely to get to the other side. So at the start of any game, there's 38 of them, and then it, it, it progresses, usually over two or three days, until there's just one character left. Um, and in a way it's very Bacchettian it, John used um, the the movements were mapped uh, onto uh, two dancers and one actor Connor Lovett who's a Biketian actor and it's just very very interesting to see the kind of video game kind of encounters really played out in a very different way. And what we've noticed with our visitors is that they're finding it very um, engaging, but not in that kind of super urgent kind of focus that you require to play video games, but more in terms of kind of something that's quite, quite like a meditation. So it's an, an interesting
0: spin. <laughs> well, you see, I was absolutely right, Fiona. Uh, you know, an art <laughs> exhibition is not the kind of thing we would normally talk about, but this has definitely got a, that kind of a tech angle. And I love it because everything that you've been saying is kind of going, Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, and anybody who's into tech, I know will definitely enjoy this exhibition. If you want to find out more about it on the internet, there is the website, which the org for the uh, Lewis Glucksman gallery down in UCC. That's G L U C K S M A N dot org. And uh, there's a page there for the Boolean Expressions Exhibition, which takes place uh, between now and it's running uh, September, October and the, kind of the first week of November, I think, isn't it, Fiona? That's right.
1: We've got a big celebration at the beginning of November around the bicentennial itself and uh, a wonderful event coming up this weekend. Loads and loads of activities and workshops from families right, right through to kind of mathematical experts. So I hope whatever your interest in tech, you might come along to Cork and visit
0: us. Fiona Kearney, Exhibition Curator in UCC. Thank you very much for talking to us
1: thanks Dusty and
0: can you believe that is our tech radio show for today so much going on and it's only the end of August Uh, Niall in fact there's, there's so much going on there was one story we didn't get to talk about but it's on the website what's that
2: uh, yep, uh, there's a very interesting story about just exactly how afraid you should you should be of the perils of artificial intelligence. So let's find out. You should go on to techcentral.ie.
0: Is it a Robin Williams movie? Is it real life? Check it out on techcentral.ie. You'll get uh, hourly updates on tech news there along with daily newsletters and our weekly tech radio show. And of course, you can hear the program every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1X. Next time from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson. Thanks so much for listening.